Hello, everyone, and welcome to Evolved, and thank you for listening to the podcast that builds one another up. Share your opinions, your thoughts, ideas, beliefs, and your feelings where you're never outcast for being who you are. Well, stay with me as we're going to continue to journey through chapter eight, the cross, God's remedy. So stay with me. You don't want to miss this episode as we continue to journey through this chapter together. forward to a fantastic weekend so um and I want to send a smile to you so um we're going to continue to journey through this chapter together but before we do let's pray Lord we come before you thanking you for the many opportunities and blessings that you have that have come from you thank you for providing us with another day and opportunity of learning more about you and your ways and allowing us to learn and live them according to your word. Thank you, Father, so much. In Christ Jesus, amen. So in this chapter, we will learn about what kind of God um, we will go through the cross, how the world sees it. I don't really need forgiveness. I'm too bad to receive forgiveness. We will go through why the cross is such good news identity and security for the lost and we will go through comfort for the suffering so we're going to um, go through those topics and I'll read a little bit from each um, section so let's begin the cross is the point where God and sinful man merge with the crash and the way to life is opened but the crash is on the heart of God. And that's coming from Oswald Chambers. So I'm going to continue. One theme that appears frequently in films, novels, sculptures, plays, and paintings is the notion that the human race is disconnected. We're going to look at the English author and atheist um, E.M. Forrester, who wrote Howard's End. Um, says Forrester believed that the heart of humanity's problems stemmed through or from deep disconnections in our relationships with each other, in our relationships with ourselves, and in our relationship with nature. Forrester believed that the only way for society to be healed was to learn how to humanly connect. So the assessment is absolutely correct. The human race is disconnected. The Bible explains that our disconnect is not merely a human relations problem. It is, in fact, a God problem. God disconnected the human race from himself because of sin. That is why sin is actually best understood as a relational term because 
as the theologian Douglas um, John Hall puts it, the foundational relationship of human life, our relation with God is broken and this brokenness shows up in all our relations. So let's look at what, um, what kind of God. But before I go through that, I wanted to um, read this. The gospel proclaims that help, that help has come, you know, um, sin and judgment are not the end of the story. So um, Christ came from heaven and solved the greatest crisis of our planet, our disconnection from God. That is why, you know, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ lie at the very heart of the Christian faith and are the turning point of human history. So I wanted to bring that out. And we can look in that. Um, the gospel proclaimed that um, help, that help has come and it explains more about sin and judgment um, from looking from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. So what kind of God? And I'm going to read, because of the cross, the perfect and permanent sacrifice for our sin was made. Jesus died on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's found in John chapter 1, verse 29. When we repent and turn to Christ in faith, our sins are forgiven. Our past is wiped clean and we are given a brand new start because the penalty for our sin was paid by God himself. When the just judgment of the holy God had to fall, God the Son became our substitute and the wrath of God, the Father, fell on him. It is a remarkable fact. We are proud sinners, but the final sacrifice for our sin and pride is God, a willing, loving substitute who stood in our place. The late John Stout noted, For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. Man claims prerogatives that belongs to God alone. God accepts penalties that belong to man alone. And we can look that up. That's in the cross of Christ, and that's on page 160. So we will never be able to fully comprehend the divine love that sent Jesus to the cross or phantom all that Jesus willingly endured on the cross. We get a hint in the Garden of Gethsemane when we see Jesus' profound sorrow as he contemplated what he was about to face on the cross. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 through 46 as well as Luke chapter 22 verses 39 through 46 but our deepest clue is in hearing Jesus loud cry from the cross my God my God why have you forsaken me and that's in Matthew 27 verse 46 his cry echoing songs chapter 22 verse 1 gives a glimpse into the divine cost of reconciling humanity to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So at the cross, Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world, beating God's judgment of sin as the perfect and final sacrifice for all who believe in him. And that's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, as well as verse 23 through 25. So, but if the cross offers people the possibility of a restored relationship with God and the promise of forgiveness, then why doesn't everyone see the cross as the best news ever? So, how do we communicate the necessity um, of the cross and remedying sin when people believe they are innocent? And we are going to find that out in the cross, how the world sees it. So, yet sudden culture change often affects how people see reality and it can often unexpected open unexpected doors for us to talk about even the more difficult aspects of the gospel. So let's look at, so why isn't, um, you know, why isn't people so, you know, believing in um, Jesus going to the cross and, you know, that whole scenario? And um, I found out that you know, when someone has been deeply sinned against, people feel moral outrage and they want justice and not soft psychological explanations. And, you know, sometimes they are right, but um, what they are acknowledging is that there are things that are deeply wrong and wrong things deserve punishment and that some wrongdoing cannot be tolerated and that forgiveness cannot always be extended for free. And a world-renowned um, actress voiced what many are now saying. Don't tell me, um, you know, this Hollywood producer, you know, who was an addict who need who needed rehab, or that, you know, he he's a psychological wounded or needs therapist. You know, he is a predator who needs prison. You know, so that is why, you know this actress exhibiting the same tolerance that, you know, many skeptic friends insisted that God must have. So let's look at, um, I don't really need forgiveness is what, you know, he's coming about saying, I don't really need forgiveness. So let's take a look at, um, this chapter. So I have a friend who is competent, successful, and assured of her own goodness. She said she never saw the need for a crutch like believing in God. So recently she told me of her outrage upon learning that her niece had been sexually assaulted by her boss. So we talked at length and I listened with sympathy and concern towards the end of our conversation. You know, Rebecca said, Mary, we've had several conversations about faith. I want to be sure you know that the God of the Bible is morally outraged by what has happened to your niece. He stands against all forms of injustice and abuse. Mary said, 
Well, if there is a God, then he needs to do something about the horrible moral mess on our planet. And he clearly hasn't, she said. And Rebecca, you know, she um, she responded with, Mary, God has done something. It is why he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. She said, well, Becky, what the predator did wasn't Jesus' fault. Her boss is the one who needs to be punished, not Jesus. Otherwise, there's, you know, where's the justice? So that brings us to, you know, um, understanding um, the um, the previous questions or what I, you know, read about. But um, anyway, clearly some people commit more outrageous and blatant sin than others. But in God's eye, we all have rebelled. All of us um, have chosen to run our own lives. It is why our planet is in this mess. You are also, you know, correct. She said that it isn't God's fault that the human race rebelled. Yet the extraordinary message of the gospel is that God let the punishment for our sin fall on himself. God stepped in by sending Jesus. The righteous died for the unrighteous so that we can be restored to God through our faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So we need to show people that their response of anger, indignation, over horrific wrongdoing is something that God feels as well. It could be the, you know, the catalyst that helps them understand why God's anger and judgment over human sin is justified. And if like her friend Mary, um, their response to evil goes from proper indignation to desiring murderous revenge and they learn painful truth about themselves. It may also be what helps them see why they need outside help. So let's continue to look at, well, I'm too bad to receive forgiveness. And, you know, <clears throat> we will see that I also hear variations of this from sincere Christians who have trouble believing that God will forgive them for their past sins. Jesus gave his life as a gift. He chose to die for our human rebellion. So the paradox of the cross is that it insists on highlighting our evil in order to leave us with absolutely no doubt that whatever we have done, we can be forgiven. Isn't that amazing? If God is willing to forgive us for, you know, the death of Christ, then is there any other sin we confess that could be more grievous than that? You know, hey. So that is why we run to the cross and call others to come with us in freedom, even joy, because though we are undeserving God's solution is so wonderful. And I like that. I like that. So let's um let's also look at at the cross, we see the worst of ourselves, and it would be unbearable if we did not in the same second see God's loving forgiveness. 
Through faith in Christ, we can let go of our shame and guilt and start walking in freedom and joy because through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be forgiven and made new. So why the cross? Why is the cross such good news? And I am going to... Um, more recently, many people have tended to seek identity through group identity, particularly if we are a part of a group that sees itself as oppressed and victims of injustice. But again, this leads to insecurity because there is a constant pressure to prove you belong and to sign up to your group's current thinking in every way for fear of being told you no longer have a place. Ironically, in an age of expressive individualism, you are only loved while you conform to the norms and expectations and demands of the group. And it is reductive and unsatisfying because it defines us as a particular intersection of various labels or identities. When in truth, we are each, you know, more than the sum of our gender, sexuality, race, and so on. So the good news of the gospel is that the creator, God alone, knows the person we truly are. So my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was not one of them. And you can look at that song's. Chapter 139, verses 15 through 16. So how does the cross answer our identity and insecurity issues? It reveals that we do not have to pretend or spend energy on projecting a false invented invented persona. Excuse me, because God knows who we truly are. God knows what it is to be a victim of injustice, for he experienced the worst injustice ever perpetuated on a human by humans. And God knows us at our very worst, and he loves us anyway. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we can learn more about that in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And that means we don't have to prove our worth because in Christ we can be forgiven and through Christ we are accepted and adopted. Our most central identity becomes that we are a child of God. We walk with confidence and freedom because we know the one who runs the world is perfect. A kind father who calls us his sons and daughters, the cross proves that God's love and acceptance of us isn't based on our performance but on Jesus' performance. It is in Christ that we find our deepest security. The wonderful message of the gospel is that what we have been looking for and longing for is what Jesus offers. So let's look at comfort for the suffering. And we will start with... Let's see, we are going, I'm going to read. This is when we need to point out our, you know, other aspects of sin. The monstrous evil that is beyond human comprehension or rational explanation 
world wars, the horror of African slavery, wholesome genocides, and so forth. That may help people see why, you know, the gruesomeness of the remedy needs to match the gruesomeness of the crime. So, in fact, it is the awfulness of the cross that gives comfort to those who have suffered awful things in this world. And um, Rebecca explains in her experience, people who have deeply suffered, um, especially over a period of time, are usually not asking for explanations anymore. They want um, our presence, our tears, and our love as we sit with them in their suffering. Yet we can offer more than that. So it is an amazing thought that in all of the religions of the world, of the world, it is only the Christian God who bears scars. All With all the suffering in our world, it would be hard to trust a God who had not suffered. But Jesus has suffered and he didn't have to. Um, he chose to. His scars reveals that he understands the difficulties of life far better than we do. He's been here. He knows. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And we can see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We saw in the early chapters of Genesis that we are wonderfully created. After humanity rebelled against God, we also saw the horrific impact that sin had on our planet and our desperate need for rescuing and deliverance. But the message of the cross is that we can be wonderfully restored. It is the heart of our faith and must always be the heart of our message. Jesus died for our sins. And he is alive forevermore, which is where we turn next. So, I have read a little bit from each section. Um, so, now let's go over or let me read the questions for reflections. I'm going to read them and then you guys can answer them at home. So, number one, who do you know who thinks that they are too good to need forgiveness? Who do you know who thinks they are too bad to be offered forgiveness? How will these views shape the ways you communicate the message of the cross to each? And number two, which of the common objections discussed here do you come across most often? How would you answer these objections? And number three, how can knowing that the scars of Jesus reveal that he understands the difficulties of life far better than we do comfort people in trials and suffering? How can this aspect of the cross help you in communicating the goodness of God to those who are hurting? So that will bring us to the end of the questions for reflection. So we are finished with chapter 8. And if you guys haven't already went through the whole chapter, um, you can go through the whole chapter. So I just read, um, you know, some viewpoints out of each section. So you want to stay with me. We're going to be continuing with chapter nine and chapter nine will be the resurrection. Everything has changed. So we are, you know, slowly getting through this book. 
Um, it should have been a lot quicker than that, but we are we are coming right along. So um, I want to thank you for listening in and know that you can always go back, like I said, and listen to each chapter reviews all over again. They're on um, they're going to be on Spotify. And if you don't see, um, you know, the chapters on Spotify, they will be on YouTube. As well as I'll put a link in where you can find them as well. Because I won't be doing them, you know, putting them um, on Spotify. Because I'm going to be doing the um, topics, bring back the evolved topics um, back to Spotify. So I'll be doing that. So anyway, you want to stay with me as we continue to journey through these chapters. So you don't want to miss that. So um. Anyway, well, are you wanting to take courses on the gospel? Why not start today by visiting worldbibleschool.org? And with saying that, I want to say thank you again for listening and being with me. And thank you for your patience. And I hope that I see you again soon on the next episode of Evolved.